Amazon is a great place to leave reviews for your favorite authors and, and the, the books that you read and enjoy. And one Amazon reviewer has written this, The Straight is a Wild Ride. And Dom Stasi's debut novel is a triumph to the last sentence, literally. It never disappoints, and one can only hope that this is but the first of many volumes from this gifted new author. This is this is quite the compliment, and I totally enjoy interviewing authors, and especially first-time authors who who haven't done this platform before and you know it's a it's a little nerve-wracking at first but a, a lot of times you know it just flows really well so today my guest is an, another wild blue press author dom stassi and uh, most authors that i've interviewed writing is kind of a passion of theirs from early, early childhood or adulthood, but it seems to be kind of a thing that grows inside of them. And I think Dom came into this a totally different way. He has a really cool background, and I'm going to welcome him on, Dom. Take it away. Tell our listeners who you are and give us some ideas about your background, because it is really all over the place. That it is. Um, good morning, uh Delilah, and good morning to uh, your listeners. Uh, yeah, my background is, is certainly atypical for a, a novelist, uh, but I, I uh, do come from a family of, of artists and writers. My sister is a, uh, a very well-known writer uh, working out of New York, and um, I wouldn't say she inspired me to this late in life, um, but she certainly encouraged me to keep going. Uh, yeah, my, my background has always been on the, uh, the technical side, aviation. I'm an engineer um, who's had a, uh, a very fortunate and interesting life, I think, uh, in that I've been involved in what I always think of sort of as the center of the universe for, for quite some time and purely by accident. Uh, from my, my, my uh, time in the Air Force and being involved at the, the Russian border during the Cuban Missile Crisis all the way through um, – the um, Project Apollo, working uh, on the, the lunar module itself uh, at Grumman Aer Aerospace, um, being there at the beginning of HBO and, and building their satellite network, and then uh, getting to turn the switch that turned on MTV, and which turned on a generation in, in turn. So um, writing has been um, always kind of a passion of mine, but I've always written, I've, I have a couple of textbooks, engineering textbooks, and a, a number of uh, peer-reviewed papers but always on the technical, engineering, and science-oriented side. Um, and coming into uh, the more artistic uh, realm of fiction writing, I've gone from what was purely objective uh, technical writing, usually backed up by mathematics, uh, to what is enormously subjective. Uh, the, the, wide, the wide variation in, in, in reader responses uh, so far, fortunately, all positive, but people take so many different messages from the book, which was never intended as an allegory, but um, I'm, I'm f always fascinated by the responses I get from readers who see things in such a different light, whereas on the technical side, either you get it or you don't. There's just one message. <laughs> um, so, um, and, and, of course, um, Wild Blue, Blue Press, uh, working with, with such a supportive organization, um, has been uh, a delight, a, a, an absolute delight. Well, what what inspired you to write fiction? 
I, I mean, you say you, you wrote a lot of textbooks and a lot of, mm-hmm. I'm sure that wasn't real, real exciting unless you're an engineer. <laughs> but <laughs> um, It's not real, real exciting you, even then. I know. <laughs> um, how did you segue from from textbook or, or you know, I, I want to say uh, nonfiction, basically, into into fiction? Well, there was a brief period in my career, um, I'm going to say about 10, 12 years, where I was able to, I've always had a passion for flying. I I had my my pilot's license since I was 21 years old. Um, And um, I've always had a passion for flying. And an opportunity came up in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, where I could combine my engineering background with my, my passion for flying. I won't go into the details of it, but... The kind of flying I always enjoyed and the kind of literature I always enjoyed uh, involved low-level, primitive flying with, with, without any contact with the rest of humanity. And it was sort of, you know, um, a human being on his own and, and, and relying wholly on his wiles and his or her wiles and, and, and skill and uh, imagination to get through. Um, and that seemed to me always a fascinating aspect of, of literature. And all the books I've always been drawn to, the authors that, I, that I've always been drawn to, have been writing in that genre. Uh, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, uh, Meryl Barkham, uh, a rel- relatively unknown, exquisite, uh, exquisitely brilliant writer, uh, the first woman to fly the Atlantic Ocean solo, right after Lindbergh. And she kind of, to my way of thinking, eclipsed his, uh, his achievement by flying into the wind got to remember, Lindbergh came back on a ship. <laughs> but um, Beryl Markham soloed the Atlantic into the wind, Europe to, to, to North America. That, to me, was an extraordinary accomplishment and the epitome of mankind on his own, or her own in this case. Um, and that always inspired me. It seemed like writing was such a, uh, a fertile field for, I mean, uh, aviation was such a fertile field for, for writing. So I've always had that fascination. Um, and I'm constantly reading. I just finished uh, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry's uh, Wind, Sand, and Stars. Finished it yesterday for the fifth time. <laughs> for the fifth time, a book written in 1939. And I think that's probably more than anything else what inspired me to write. I've always had a flair for it. I know that from, from within, the, within the limited and, and extreme confines of technical writing, um, sentence structure and, and I, my, my love of modern English an exquisite language to work in, um, I really thought, well, let me give it a try. So during that period of time when I was flying, the 10, 15 years when I turned my career to that, uh, I was doing the sort of flying that that inspired me. And um, a particular experience, which uh, I've written about on my bio on the um, Wild Blue Press Press website, um, gave me an idea. And I from that germ of an idea, a story grew. And I wanted to put, I've always wanted to, within that, within that, that world of, of aviation, put a hero or a protagonist in a situation that's always occupied by a villain. And I couldn't figure out how to do that. That was the challenge that I wanted to uh, face or, or, or meet. A, a likable protagonist in, a villainous, in what is con- conventionally a villainous role. And the only two things that came together that, that matched flying and um, big bad villains was drug running. And that put 
a hero. In my, I, I, the challenge was to put someone that, that the public could identify with, a protagonist, in that role uh, where he would be facing um, a, a, a hostile universe, flying on his own, unable to communicate, and at the mercy of his skills and weather and environment. And I thought there would be an adventure story there, and, as well as an allegory. And uh, all of that came to, to be my inspiration. Well, you know, one of the things that I find quite interesting, and I know a lot of our listeners do as well, um, well, with first-time authors, maybe maybe you can lend a little bit to it about the writing process. Everybody does this process a little bit differently, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, research, whether some people have to have a title first, they work off of a title and then the ideas come. You explained that you kind of worked off of the character. You sort of built this character through your background in aviation Um can you kind of just walk through the process that it took you to write this book? Sure. Um, and it did start with a title, um, which disappeared uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and I started with a title that had a geographical reference. Um, there's an area in the, in the uh, Caribbean known as the Windward Passage, very romantic name for the, the, the strait between Cuba and, and Hispaniola or, or Haiti. Um, and it's a place where commerce is carried out, where international tensions are carried out, and a great deal of illicit smuggling is carried out, the Windward Passage. Um, I thought that was a, a wonderful title, and I stayed with it for a while. Then I realized it sounded a little more like a romance novel than, than a, a sort of an adventure allegory. Um, so I simply changed it to the straight, and um, from there, everything sort of flowed. So the process was, I, I come up with a germ of an idea, but only when I sit down at the keyboard and start concentrating, does it become something um, mellifluous, something um, that I can build on? Uh, I know a lot of writers get their ideas in their sleep and they write them down on a notepad or during the day. I get my ideas or my 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 uh, how my ideas grow only sitting at the keyboard. <laughs> uh, and it's it's kind of a frightening thing because you're sitting at home and you're thinking, hmm. What do I do now? What do I do now? And it doesn't come to me until I actually sit down and face the the blank screen, and then the ideas come. Um, And what I've learned is, first, the challenge of writing women to me was was daunting, uh, and it was difficult. Um, Until I got to know these characters, and as you begin to write it, the, the deeper you get into the story, the more you know about the characters. They become you. You know what they're going to say. You begin to know how they're going to react to certain situations. And then they take on sort of a life of their own. So as I got to know each and every character, they sort of wrote the book for me. Um, you get into them, I guess the way an actor does, um, and you begin to know their responses. You begin to know their feelings. You begin to know their their uh, likes, dislikes, and, and uh, attitudes. That is what makes a character-rich, dialogue-rich novel work for me, both as a reader and as a writer. So that was my process. And the next thing you know, um, like I said in my, then in, you in had my a bio, book. You know, a word becomes a sentence, a sentence becomes a paragraph, a paragraph becomes a chapter, a chapter becomes a book. Um, and finally you have it. And uh, 
that always fascinates me because I've heard so many different ways that authors come together with the word, so to speak. And, you know, I have a, a friend who's writing and she, it, it, she keeps this crazy schedule. She stays up all night writing and sleeps during the day, kind of like on mm. the midnight shift. But, in you know, everybody has their own way of pulling it all together. And I, I, I like hearing about that. Well, let's talk about the book, The Straight. Um, you've you've kind of talked a little bit about how you built the characters. Um, I mean, I don't want you to give the whole story away, but how did you get into telling their story? You created these characters, and, and then you started telling their stories. Yeah, I think they created me uh, more than the opposite. Um as I said, as I, as I got to know them, I just came up with, with characters that seemed to fit the particular scene or the milieu. Um, and when I wrote them the first time, they were very different people than what they ultimately became as I got to know them. Um, and when, I'm, I'm not being facetious when I say they wrote themselves or they wrote me. Really, um, because the way I write, and maybe it's because I've spent a, a lifetime in the, in the movie and television business, my writing is is dialogue rich, not a lot of narrative, enough narrative, but it's really typically about a third of the of, of uh, the text, whereas two thirds seems to be dialogue. Um, and people say when they read my book, they see it. They don't necessarily sense it; they see it. And and I think that's directly related to my background in the visual arts. Um, so I find it easier and easier to go when I get to know the characters, each and every one. And when I introduce a new character, it's another struggle. And typically I'll go back and change that a couple of chapters in after the introduction because now I know how that person is going to behave. Um, so that's my particular uh, mechanism for, for creating, is that I let the characters um, sort of find themselves and then they write themselves. And that might sound a bit simplistic, but that's that's the way it works for me. And I get, think that's why I create only when I'm sitting at the machine. Well, go into a little bit of the concept of the story that you've written. Um, you know, I, I think almost in every novel, there's some element of good versus evil, mm-hmm. bad guys, good guys, even even in real life. Um uh, it, you, you come the same concept is is good versus evil, and you hope the good guy wins in the end. And sometimes that doesn't always happen. So, can you tell us a little bit about the concept of the story without giving away everything? Um, sure. I wanted to write it. You know, I I dislike the concept of that, that's so popular right now. And, and one thing I've uh, understood, something I learned about about. Uh, artistic writing, not, uh, fiction writing, um, is that is so different from technical writing is um, that it's very, very subjective. I think I've mentioned that, but it's also uh, kind of trendy. Um, when, I, when I started submitting this to, to agents and things, I, I, it has to be on trend, which, which come for, to me is, is a whole new concept. Um, so when I started writing, um, I just wrote objectively um, but then I, I learned a little bit to, to make it make it a little more topical, make make the topic a little more in tune with the times, a little more in tune with what's happening today, uh, without making it um, only a, a, a style piece. And that was a difficult challenge. I wanted it to be 
I wanted it to be a, a story that's that's um, not necessarily time sensitive, the kind of thing that would that would appeal to any any particular generation. But I didn't want it to be archaic or 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 um, outdated as well. Uh, so that was a big part of it, uh, taking a whole new trend on, on following a trend. Um, I wanted to avoid. A lot of writers write these heroes. I won't go into you know my 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 editor had suggested why don't you do this, this blank blank and follow what this extremely famous writer does, and I don't like the concept of the unrealistic hero. I just don't find it believable. Um, I like to put good people in bad situations that they hadn't counted on, and and uh, one of one of life's greatest um, mysteries, I guess, is. You don't know what's going to happen to you two seconds from right now. If you did, you'd avoid it, but you don't know. And and that chance, that 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 aspect of existence, to me, is compelling. So I wanted to put a good guy in a bad situation, partly through his own uh, altruism, but partly through circumstance overcoming him. Um, and I think that is a very compelling narrative. And, and makes for a good story because it's universal. You don't know that you're going to have a, an automobile accident a second before it happens. If you did, you could avoid it. Um, you don't know if, you're, if your uh, willingness to help someone is going to draw you into a bad situation. Um, and I found that is the theme I tried to um, have flow through the novel. Jake, a good guy, guilt-plagued, um, that guilt causes him to 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 accept something that he or to get involved in something that he thought might assuage some of that guilt and all it did was very nearly destroy his life in many ways perhaps it did um and i thought that was a compelling narrative so that was that was the basis of the book um and the story grew around that good Were things any of the care- bad things happen to good people and that's very true. Were any of the characters were did were they based off of people that you know or situations that you have been in? Um, the underlying plot, which leads us to the conclusion, the conclusion is based on something that I experienced. Um, clearly, uh, the conclusion, the the, the the tense flying scenes, the uh, the um, exposure of innocence to um, a, a potentially catastrophic entity that, that uh, might destroy them um, had to do with an experience I had in a bar <laughs> where a, a character sitting next to me was, was a little drunk and he started talking and he was telling me about something he did that was very, very dangerous to save his own life. But he put other people at risk, lots of other people at risk by saving his own life. Uh, and I thought that was compelling because it, it appears to happen more often than we'd like. And um, I built that into the conclusion, and people seem to love that. They think it's very tense and makes them sweat and so on, and knowing that this could happen to them. Uh, just like Benchley's jaws change the way people think about going swimming, <laughs> I thought this might make people think a little bit differently about flying. Um, I don't intend to, 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 to frighten people, but I thought it would make for a very compelling and informative piece of uh, literature. So that was part. That, that part came from real life. Uh, the rest of it uh, came from my uh, apparently sick mind. 
Well, I think don't you think most writers, even even fiction writers, there's a bit of reality woven into the story that came out of your imagination, or as you say, your sick mind. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but the, but there's always a, a string of of either personal experience or or personal feelings about something, whether it's an issue. Um, there's got to be a little bit of that author's personal personality in inside of the book as well, don't you think? I absolutely think so. I absolutely think so. And you know, truth is stranger than fiction. We've all that. We've all heard that old saw. And certainly it is. I mean, we have universal feelings. Uh, there's so much about humanity that's universal, and I think that's what makes storytelling work. Is um, there are aspects of our lives that are common to all of us. We love our families. We're we're, we're frightened of certain things. We adore certain things, um, and that commonality of experience and feeling has to be woven into a story to make it plausible. To make it plausible. That's why I have I have no, and certainly that exists I, I, in in this book throughout it. I, I tried to make the characters as realistic as possible, and that's what all the reviews say. They they enjoy the the characters. Um, I have a, a, a real aversion, even though I loved Superman when I was a kid. This current trend of superheroes, it kind of bothers me. It seems like it's a bit of a crutch for the author, and it requires too much suspension of disbelief. I can't think you can solve a problem by jumping over a building. It just doesn't make sense to me that that, that would be a compelling uh, narrative. Um, perhaps I'm just an old grouch, but I, I try to keep it as real as possible because I think that's the only way fiction can be plausible. And strange things can happen in reality. Every time you watch the news, something that you would never believe transpired. But you can't write that in fiction because people simply won't buy it. So, yes, there yeah, has to be. It's sorry? interesting because this, everyone says, you know, you you can't make this up. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you actually do make something up and they don't believe it. Right. And that's 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 a death knell for a book is that people won't believe it. Right, right. Well, you mentioned earlier about your experience during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, yeah. Can Can you go a little bit? If further into that, maybe you know, tell us what happened, and and then did some of this come into the book? Um, no, <laughs> um, that was it was meant. Um, we were talking about that, and it had to do more with with my uh, meeting my wife. And yesterday was our anniversary, as a matter of fact. Um, when we were both very young, uh, we were both very young, and um, <laughs> the Cuban Missile Crisis was was ancillary to this, and it, it, there's nothing terribly exciting about it. Is that, that when that happened, I was I was deployed. Uh, I'd been working on on a particular new reconnaissance system, um, and I was deployed to Alaska with the crew to to fly the Russian border during that that missile crisis um, and detect uh, missile launches, detect things coming out of the uh, what was then uh, the Soviet Union um, and heading over the Great Circle route to to, to uh, endanger the United States. So that was that was the sum total of it. But but here was the story. I had I had gone to a party. I didn't want to go, but my friends persuaded me to go. And there I saw this gal who um, wouldn't give me a tumble, but I just went head over heels over her. And um, I pursued her during the party, and she didn't seem to dislike the, the attention, but she she just she was involved with someone else and so on. So my inability to get a, a conversation going, I finally just I handed her my drink, 
And then I disappeared. And I came back like 10 minutes later. And she said, why you have me holding this thing? I said, well, it was getting warm. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted it to get cold again. <laughs> so, oh, no. That's that a was good either one. the beginning or the end of a relationship. <laughs> so I got a laugh out of her. And, and, you know, we went out on a date. And we hit it off really well. Um, I promised I'd call her the next week. Um, and as soon as I got back to my base, we got deployed to Alaska. And I couldn't even tell my parents. This was, a, you know, that, this was the Cold War, and it was all super secret. So for two weeks, I didn't call her. I couldn't tell her anything. I didn't. And when I finally came back, she just would not believe my story. <laughs> she wouldn't well. take my phone calls. <laughs> so, um, as I said, that that nearly changed my life. But I persisted, and I finally persuaded her to uh, that it wasn't my fault. It was Uncle Sam's fault, and it was bigger than both of us, and so on. And well, we've been together ever since. That oh, what a, what a great way story. to meet the love of your life. You know, Absolutely. that's that's a story in itself. That's great. <laughs> that's great. So, okay, what what brought you to Wild Blue Press? Did you say you you did you shop your book with a lot of agents or a lot of publishers and how how do you see I mean, you you mentioned that your sister is um she's a journalist, I believe, and a and a novelist as well. Correct. And so I would think, you know, a little nepotism with all her connections. Yeah. Did that not work for you? Um, it, here's, the, here, here's the genealogy of it. <clears throat> I wrote the book, and um, I sent she, – she told me, oh, give, send, give this to her, her agent, um, who was wonderful. And she, she, she liked it at first. She liked what she read, and she wanted to see the rest. Um, I sent her the rest, and she, she not only – she sent it to her readers, and then she hired – professional readers, you know, an expensive reader apparently, to go through it. Those, that person did not like the book. Did not like the book. Um, she did not like Jake. She didn't like a couple of the characters. And, and Liza came back to me and said, I'm sorry, but she just didn't. Blah, blah, blah. If you can change this, that, and the other thing. Well, okay. I thought about it and, and again, uh, contacted my sister, and she loved this freelance editor that she'd been working with fellow by the name of Dana Isaacson, who I mentioned in the book, as, who I mentioned in the, uh, the acknowledgments as he calls himself an editor, but he's really a magician. And he sat down with me. We worked and worked and worked. And, and not only did we cut it back because uh, the agent thought it was too long. She said a first novel can't be really over 100,000 words and, and the, the chances of it selling are, are going to be too slim for me to take on. So we uh, we did that. We cut it back. He, uh, we changed the characters in accordance with, to what the reader said, um, and made it more universally uh, acceptable. Um, and came out with what I thought was a, a hell of a good book. Um, rather than send it back to that agent, I didn't want to uh, impose too much on on uh, on nepotism. Even though my sister was very very uh, accommodating, um, I decided. Let me try a couple of other agents, and I got the same sort of thing. Well, this is not right for us right now, our catalog, but everything was complimentary. Everybody said, nice book, but really not in our, in our genre. Not da, da, da. Um, and then I was reading, I had read a book called Paper Wings, aviation book, um, by Les Aben. I'd seen him on CNN, and I was following the, 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 the disappearance of that Malaysian airliner, and he was the aviation expert that was talking about it the most. So I, I had just finished his book. Uh, and I read one of my favorite authors, a person I've been reading for over 20 years, uh, John Nance. And I had picked up the latest of John Nance's book, books. Um, I think it was called Sixteen Souls. 
uh, and I finished it. And then I, I went back and I noticed that both of these guys, two, two, two writers I really admire who were working in the same genre that I was, this aviation-based adventure mystery story with rich characters and so on, um, they both were under the imprint of Wild Blue Press. I said, I'd never heard of that before. So I looked into it a little further, uh, and I sent um, the first, I guess it was the first three chapters um, to um, Wild Blue Press. And I got a letter back. Interesting. Um, we, we, we like what we're reading. Can we see the rest? I said, sure. So I sent the rest of the book. Next thing you know, um, they said, look, we're interested in doing this. Let's And so... I signed the contract, and, and from there we went forward. And it's just been a delight working with them. But that's how I came to them, by, by happening to read two authors that I really like that were in the same genre, and one of whom I've been reading for decades, and they happened to be under contract to Wild Blue Press. So that's how I came to them. They are looking at the flyleaf. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're really I'm, you know, and I'm, I've interviewed a lot of their authors, and mm-hmm. everyone says the same thing of what – you know, it, it, sometimes it can be a, a tricky process getting a book published, but yeah. every one of the authors has said what a great experience it was with Wild Blue Press and the people involved with them. And, I, you know, I have found the same thing. And, and, in fact, you and I had a question. All you have to do is pick up the phones, you know, and, yep. and they're more than willing to work with you and answer your questions and usually tell you more than you need to know, but that's yes. good, too. <laughs> Yeah, and everything I, I can't say enough good things about them because Steve Jackson right. and Michael Cordova and they provided me with their you know with their editors and we worked through it and I still made a couple of bonehead you know rookie mistakes that clearly cost them money and I'm always leading with look I made a mistake it's going to cost money I'm, I'm, I'm no they won't they won't accept that they just fix it and and uh, they fix it without complaining without and uh, I've learned a great deal by working with them clearly. Uh, about professionalism, and they they are, they are they epitomize that, and I, it's just been a delight. Right. So, what what's your next book? Good question. <laughs> I've got so many people are asking me for a sequel. They feel that to me it's always very important, and I think my 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 years in the motion picture business taught me that never leave them hanging. You know, finish it. Um, leave the audience satisfied. Um, and I clearly made it a point to do that. But also, there's a, an aspect of it that says, okay, I, I'm interested in what happens to so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Um, so people have been asking for a sequel. Um, and I've been working on that. But I also had a very different idea for a wholly different book. And I keep, when I sit down to work on the sequel, I keep flipping back to the other file <laughs> and working on this entirely different story a story that that interests me. So what am I doing? I'm working on a sequel, but I'm also working on something else that inspires me even more. Um, and I'll keep you posted. <laughs> you better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, that's how series are born. People get interested in a particular character and they, yeah. you know, you may finish up the, the conclusion of the story in, in book number one, but, there's still something hanging there. They still yeah. want more. They want more of that character. And like you said, it's like a good movie. I know when a movie ends, I'm I'm glad that there's a conclusion, but 
I'm sad that it's ending because I wasn't ready for it to end yet. And um, so, you know, you might have a who knows how many books in a series. Yes, and I've heard that. I've heard exactly that response, and and it's heartening. It's 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 very encouraging and flattering and heartening. And I even got it from my sister. She said, "This looks like you've been doing this your entire life." Um, I love your your characters, and I hate the villains. Coming from you know a pro like that, and and a couple of other pros have given me that same response. So they're very very heartening, and and clearly I want to keep the people who've invested the time and, and, and effort and money to read the book, satisfied and happy if, if, they, if they're asking for a sequel. Um, and I understand, you know, if the character doesn't die you want to, and you're interested in him, you want to know what's going to happen next. And in this case, well, I won't give away too much, but let's say I've gotten a lot of responses for what happened to him or her, him or her. Um, mm. Yeah, and so that's been inspiring, but at the same time I'm, I'm kind of favoring this, I feel more inspired with with writing something entirely new. Um, mm-hmm. But I've got to get my mindset that the sequel will be entirely new. Well, can That's you give us any clue about this other book that you seem to have a lot of passion for right now? <laughs> Just um, get, put a little hint out there, Dom. <laughs> it, it's about very close friendship that grows closer and closer and closer between two couples in business together, social lives together, that um, desperation draws them to turn on one another. Um, I think it's very human. It, it's kind of the dark side of humanity and the self-preservation side of humanity um, being made manifest through the best of us. Um, and Without giving away anything more than that, uh, I think that's pro- that that would be the underlying theme of, of uh, again, this bad things happen to good people. Uh, well, sometimes good people bring the bad things on themselves. Mm. That's uh, we'll be waiting for that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. For sure. So <laughs> okay, let's let's tell everyone the straight is the name of your book that you have out right now, and Correct. where can where can we buy this? Well, I'm, I'm far more uh, adept at writing than I am uh, selling. So I, I, I know it's available on Amazon. It's selling pretty well on Amazon. Uh, it's uh, available on and at Barnes and Noble, um, and a couple of other retailers that I that I, I don't recall the names of, but um, mm-hmm. I know clearly um, Amazon and Barnes and Noble online are where most of the, uh, the sales for both the uh, hardcover and the uh, Kindle version are, are being are being moved. And I highly I recommend everybody. To see I'm sorry. I said I highly recommend everyone get on Amazon or or Barnes and Noble or wherever. You, I mean, even if you go into a local bookstore in your town, ask mm-hmm. for it. They'll get it for yeah. you. They can order it. And and if there's an interest, maybe they'll order more. And uh, are you planning on doing any book signings, any events in your local area? Um, I'm planning on it. I haven't initiated it yet. Um, I I did have one book party where a bunch of people showed up, all carrying books, which surprised me. Uh, And we did a signing, um, held it here at my home. And, and, you know, friends and strangers showed up. um, And everyone had a a, a blue book in their hands, which surprised me. And I wore my wrist out right, you know. I always try to write something more than just good luck and, and, and a scrawl signature. Uh, so that was, a, that was a long and interesting day of, of book signings. And uh, people have turned it up, you know, asked, 
recommended that friends buy the book and so on. But but I haven't done any. Uh, what happened is I, I had knee surgery and it went bad and um, I'm kind of stuck hobbling around at the moment. So I, I'm not getting out very much until this thing heals. So uh, that's been consistent with the release of the book. Uh, bad timing. So uh, I haven't even gone to my local bookstore. I'm still waiting to uh, for the, the the knee to get a little stronger so I have some more confidence to run around and do that sort of thing. Um, well, but yeah, I, there's a very active bookstore here in town, um, Studio Books, and I, I will be going over there with a, with a handful of these things. Great. Well, I, I'm sure that you will have it announced on your Facebook page when when you uh, when you make that connection and, and something is is more concrete. And I just want to let everyone know that Dom has a a, a page on Facebook. Dom mm-hmm. Stacy author, I think it is, right? Or yeah, author? I think it's I think Dom Stacy's book page, Dom Stacy author, any of those things okay. will get you to it, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. And I'm trying Just to search. use it to review other books as well. Books I've read and, and books I enjoy or did not enjoy. Um if I might be so so bold. Well, I suggest there's, people there's, go there and get to know you and yes. get to know the things that, that you enjoy. I mean, there's a lot of commonality with, with a lot of different things that you're doing on your page. And uh, and also through the Wild Blue Breast web- website, you're also writing on there as well. Correct. Yeah, an occasional blog. Um, I'll do another one this week. Great. So is there is there anything that is standing out in your mind that you want to make sure that you give to these listeners to take away from our conversation today? If you like something that strives to be both literary and entertaining, I think this is the book for you. It's been written, you know, sort of gender, um, gender neutral, uh, there's a, a rich mix of male and female characters, all important, all driving the story. Um, and I think people will find commonality or, or common interest with, with these characters. Um, it's my first effort. It's dialogue rich, and I think it is my best effort at putting a literary spin on an adventure and mystery in a classic sense. I think that makes it a little different and a lot more compelling. Wonderful. It's been, I love having conversations with you. I always learn so much, (laughs) (laughs) so much that comes in between and, and I enjoy that. Um, so, wildbluepress.com you can order there you can order at amazon.com yeah. barnes and, and noble I, I, and I, I, I would encourage people to read the reviews on amazon uh, absolutely and and i would encourage anyone out there listening or you know who is around that has read the book and hasn't left a review yet please take 5 10 minutes of your time mm-hmm. and and just go and write that review you, you might think it doesn't matter because it does. It it matters in a lot of different ways. Reviews are kind of the heartbeat of an author, and whether they're good or bad, they want to know. They want to know exactly. that you've read it, whether you enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it, and it does nothing but help improve And for the next readers, for the next book, for the next author. So I, I highly encourage that you do that. It just takes a minute. So, well, as we close out this episode, I just want to say thank you again, 
Um, and we will do it again when the next book comes out or before if we want to. So everybody out there, get a copy of The Straight by Don, Dom, D-O-M, Stacy S-T-A-S-I. And as you're going out there into this big wild world, make sure that you be kind to each other. Thank you, Delilah. You are an absolute delight. As you are. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.